If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make your podcast. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's free. You pay no fee whatsoever. It's absolutely, totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And most of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Well, the most important thing is that you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Well, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and subscribe and make your own podcast. It's free. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maramber Homa, and I welcome you to listen to this podcast about narcissism in general, toxic relationships, and ways to deal with them and to save ourselves, but most importantly, seek self-evolution regardless of the abuse. I hope you enjoy and find this episode and the upcoming ones enjoyable and insightful in any way shape or form and i thank you very much for listening now let's get started welcome to another episode of the podcast self-evolution regardless and this episode like i said earlier is about to be about something interesting guess what I've been reading an article on Psych Central, and I searched the term pseudo-mutuality. This is what the episode is about. So, it was the perfect family. Everyone in one mind, everyone in one perfect accord. The parents smiled and held hands, the child smiled and behaved perfectly. There was no conflict, no anger, not even a speck of irritation was ever allowed. It was leave it to beaver in the flesh. Or was it? Now let's go back to the original definitions of the two words that this word is combined of, which are pseudo and mutuality. Pseudo in Greek means false, and mutuality in Latin means exchange. So combine the two. They said, word for word, welcome to the narcissistic family. Well, what do you get? Well, what do you know? A narcissistic family is based on pseudo-mutuality. Basically, 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 everyone acts, talks, and smiles as though they're all in one same page, but they aren't. So, have you ever heard conflict with a narcissist? Have you ever contracted? contradicted them? Have you ever told them they're wrong? Have you ever refused to do something they demanded of you? Have you ever expressed irritation with them? Have you ever held a divergent opinion? Then you've experienced the terror that comes with the narcissist rages at you, the trauma that leaves you bonded to them from trauma bonding and reeling with PTSD. 
Exactly, this is what I've been experiencing. If I were to able to answer all those questions, I say yes to each question. Have you ever had conflict with a narcissist? Yes. Have you ever contradicted them? Obviously. Have you ever told them they're wrong? For sure. Have you ever refused to do something they demanded of you? Yes. Have you ever expressed irritation with them? Absolutely. Have you ever held a divergent opinion all the fucking time? And what I get always is narcissistic rage. And me, reeling with PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder. The horror that accompanies seeing the narcissist in your life. Your loved one suddenly turn red in the face. Their teeth, their teeth are gritted and sparks of rage flash in their eyes as they scream and swear at the top of their lungs. I'm reading this from an article, by the way, and I'm explaining my way uh, reading it. Reading it. They're knotted fish, uh, fists. Sorry, fish. <laughs> the knotted fists crash down on whatever surfaces closest: countertops, tables, chairs, handles. Oh, they love to do that. I have a huge example with this. My uh, LC brother, lost child. Uh, he had a girlfriend who is who lives abroad and clearly since everyone's really conservative here it got to the point where when they were talking about her and when they were talking about the future of this relationship um she was literally screaming and crying and pouting and sobbing and yelling and cursing and hitting the freaking um table where we're actually we were sitting in a park outside so she was hitting the the bench that we were sitting on, it was crazy. And I was sitting there at the distance and I was watching the miracle happening in front of me. So yes, they love to do that. Sometimes resulting in bloody hands. They may even seize the closest inanimate object and throw it. As you watch a barstful fly half the length of the basement as I did, all you can think is there, but not but for the grace of God, flies I. Trying to leave the room results in being physically detained, forced to face their wrath. Hell yeah. I almost called the police that day. So, and I also had this personal experience I have to share it with you here. So we went on a, on a, we traveled to Turkey, obviously. Normally it was supposed to be for entertainment purposes. I mean, Turkey is a beautiful, 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 gorgeous place, and I loved it. But it seems with all the negative energy that my NM has always had because misery loves her company, um, we never ceased hearing her complain about the smallest things, like even the people who just pass by to sell you some tea or some water or some tissues or things like that she would always complain and me and my brother had to fucking you know suck it up and just pretend like she's not speaking and not give her much attention which is one of the pseudo mutuality uh symptoms here But then, when we got home from Turkey, me and her, obviously, uh, I mentioned something about an an unsuccessful interview with a potential uh, center of training, and the rage that came out of there was incredible. 
she yelled and screamed and screamed at the top of her lungs and and when i was trying to soothe her and tell her to calm down she kept raging even more she raised her voice so much it was extremely extremely loud to the point where neighbors can actually hear her and i remember she went to and we had an apartment right above our like house our villa and she screamed at the top of her lungs in the stairs that would actually uh make the apartment you know it, it's extremely echoey in the stairs there so when it's loud it's really loud so she really like screamed at the top of her lungs cursing and insulting the the supposedly um tenants that we had renting up there and actually they left before she um before she yelled at them like that before she supposedly yelled at them like that and i was so traumatized and so freaking terrified i didn't do anything i just just locked myself in my room trying not to focus with her rage and with her like i really this is like one of the i think for me at least this is the first time that I actually witnessed her going rageous over whatever thing that made her go nuts. And the thing is, she used to watch those uh, TV series of, like, terrorism, and which involve a lot of, like, uh, which talk about ISIS, basically. And so her mind was basically fucked at that point. And she got really influenced by the news as well, because she, she always, always watches the news, which is why I never sit down in the living room in the first place. I never really watch the news with her or movies at this point, because she's always critical of every single thing, and she never stops commenting. And I fucking hate that, and I get really irritated, and I can't stand watching TV with her, which which is why I missed TV, really. But anyway... So with that being said, um, that was the first traumatizing event that I witnessed her talk about. And she was cursing and, and, and screaming and, and just like uh, bashing all the people that are like vampires and monsters and they have teeth. And, and she sort of described it to me in like a very realistic horror movie. Like we're literally living in a horror movie. She said that the Turkish people were were vampires they were after us they were uh, about to eat us they were like cannibals <laughs> and at the point i was like are you serious right now is this really a topic to talk about like when she was in the middle of that rage oh my god like that's crazy and right 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 before i recorded the episode the narcissistic injury Right before that, actually, let me reveal what happened before recording that episode. It was a traumatizing night, man. It was all really peaceful at like 8. It happened in summer. So it was like 8 to 9 p.m. at this at the time. And I remember walking into the kitchen and smelling a really, really bad smell. And at the time, like in August, we had the aid of like um, Itha, basically, where we would sacrifice the sheep for God. 
for forgiveness of sins and everything. Which is uh, spiritually extremely healing, by the way. Don't focus on the gory look of, like, the blood and everything. But, like, the spiritual side of it is very comforting. Even though uh, seeing two sheep slaughtered in front of me made me cry a lot. Because they were, like, friends and... The first uh, sheep got really extremely terrified and traumatized when he saw his friend uh, getting his throat slit. And I, in turn, had a really bad stomach ache at the time. And I cringed and I cried. And oh my god, it was terrible. Oh my god, why am I even mentioning this right now? That's not the point of the story. So after, like, we, uh, and this, and the time, like, we were really, really well, like, we were so well united, and we divided the roles very well, and I actually helped this time exceptionally in the site, and we all participated in, like, the barbecue and taking care of the meat and storing it and everything. <sighs> so hard to talk about, man. And then at the point when I walk in the kitchen and the smell is terrible, I mean, we had the fridge working to store the meat in. It was supposed to work, okay? But there is this one slight problem with the, with the plug. Yeah, with the plug. It might have slipped or something, but none of us really touched it. Like, neither me nor my NF uh, touched it. So, I mean... Obviously, neither of us was supposed to be the accused one of touching the plug or playing it or whatever, you know. But for somehow, for some reason, you know, probably because of the humidity, it slipped. So it made the fridge not work anymore. And it was it was not a noise anymore. There was no noise, but there was huge, like, t like strong smell of meat. And this... I don't know, I don't know if you can call this stupid, but I told her, I, I straight away told my NM about it. Even though I could have acted myself and, and just go, went ahead and, you know, uh, solved the problem myself and just put the plug right in and just forget about it. But, like, underneath the fridge was a spot of blood, and that went, and she came to the kitchen and saw it, and that's when things went downhill from there. So I ended up throwing a, throwing away all the meat, and she threw them away in this like uh, in this big bucket and tub, where she would really violently and with all the rage that it, she has inside her, like she was throwing away all that meat that we worked so hard for, and. And with all of her, like, anger and rage, she somehow effortlessly pushed that fridge for a huge distance for me to clean it up from all the blood and, and just, uh, you know, stink that's in there. And what she did was she put all that meat in that big bucket and with all of the violence that she had and she threw away, like, a... A jar, a jar of water that my NF would use to drink water that was recommended by my, uh, you know, siblings because it's somehow natural and healthy. 
and she i remember i was outside drying the the plates of the fridge to let them dry after cleaning them you know with water and the dishwasher and she literally threw the jar right above my head and it, and it broke and it made this huge sound where like I was really close to the jar, by the way, when it broke and when it, when she threw it at at the wall and it broke. I was terrified. I was paranoid. I thought I was I, I thought I was about to die at the, at that point. You know, I was so close to death. I had to keep my mouth shut because of how outrageous and just seriously out of control she went, and. I just had to suck it up and like not say a word because if I tell her to or comfort her because I learned the hard lesson the first time she did this when we came back from Turkey so I obviously did not dare to speak any word that would you know make her go more nuts than she already is so I swear, like, the jar went straight above my head and I could die at that moment, you know. But thank God I lived. And then what she made me do is she made me carry that bucket all the way to to uh, the nearest garbage uh, trash. The huge trash can, like, the the public one. And it was actually, like, after the cleaning, after cleaning up all that mess and and just drying that out and just you know uh cleaning up the mess of the jar also i did that it was almost midnight and then we ended up we actually ended up going to that you know uh, trash place in the middle of the night to throw the poor 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 meat i was devastated and just heartbroken and just really shocked by what happened and what she was saying basically during that rage she was cussing and cursing and insulting uh, my nf all the time and she was always going back and forth about this secret that he might have cheated on her with no evidence whatsoever i don't know and all the agenda and all the religious stuff and all the freaking i don't even know what kind of sense her speech made but Man, if I could focus just for one minute, I would have brain cells already dead at by, by this time. It was so freaking, like, it, it didn't make any sense at all. And the the real nightmarish thing, I really, really wanted to go to my room and just leave the mess for her to clean because I did not want to participate in her shit. I really, really wanted to, but she was screaming at the top of her lungs and just calling us names, everyone, everything, and just cursing and insulting and just... And I also thought to myself, if I already went to my room, she ha she would have already, like, screamed at the top of her lung, calling for my name or even literally coming to my room and just barging in, opening the door so forcefully to call me downstairs to help her clean up the mess she made. So that was a huge nightmare. And this thing is that I only told her about that, you know, like, and she just 
went and threw away all of that all of that God's grace, all of that freaking hard work we did. It's like it all went to trash, eaten by maggots. Gross and devastating. So I had a terrible, terrible night and I couldn't sleep and I decided to record that episode so that so that's what basically happened. I could not sleep. I had a PTSD episode. I was shaking. I was terrified. I had, I think I already had diarrhea at the time. I couldn't eat a thing. And I was just awake all night, basically. And I then decided to to just record an episode on that because that was her narcissistic rage right there in front of me and I just had to talk about it and I did and I thank god I did because I wouldn't have slept afterwards after that traumatizing event but you know like in all sense of the word like the reason why I mentioned these two examples is to show you how dangerous it can get for the narcissistic person to um, rage in front of you and to get out of control and to let this monster inside of them like manifest itself in this world like it's extremely dangerous i could have called the police i really should have but i was just so terrified at the the time i didn't want to do anything i just wanted to you know pass so i can uh, rest peacefully i really wish things would go easier you know but we can't go back to the past and undo things this had They just happened the way they did, you know, and, um, sucks. So, and then what happens is that, like, that moment where you disagree on something, or, like, you contradict them with anything, or you have a different point of view, or you diverge from their, like, uh, you know, understanding of the world, or how the world works, you're all of a sudden seen as Satan that must be uh, slain, you know. You must be dead by the time you say no because you don't deserve it. You're not a good person anymore. You're not seen as that worthy person worthy of love. You're just seen as this sinner, this huge mistake maker who does not deserve to live. And they would go all over the place because you do not deserve their love. And this is the problem. My family had always had this problem. Like, we always seemed so fucking happy, so fucking great, perfect, and whatnot. But really, what I'm noticing every time, and a lot of times, is that we seem to sort of target each other. For the stupidest things. And maybe because of personal interests. But there are plenty of examples where like it would all seem perfect and fine and smiley and happy on the outside. But on the inside there's a lot of like fighting and bullying and emotional abuse and trauma involved. And triangulation, oh, don't, don't let me mention triangulation. It happens all the freaking time where, like, the narcissist would provoke a fight between two people who never really fought before, and then they have to step back and watch the fight happen. And it's, be- and it's 
because of the narcissist that these people fight, but the people who fight don't really understand what's going on. They think it's because of each other, when it's clearly and absolutely because of the narcissist. And then the thing that happens with triangulation is that it becomes automatic, and then in a family, siblings are like fighting against each other, and it's like a competition for whoever becomes better and whoever achieves the most satisfaction, um, you know, and pleasure uh, for, of their parents and the approval of their parents. And obviously the golden child gets the prize and things like that. And then the favoritism of children, like one is a lost child, one is a flying monkey, the other is a golden child, the best, most loving, perfect golden child who never makes mistakes and is flawless, and the scapegoat who is the total opposite of um, the, 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 the golden child, the one who always carries the blame and the fault and the flaws of the family and the one who's supposed to shut up and submit and subdue, but also the one who fights for the truth and stands by the truth and fights for justice and the one who who ends up leaving because of um, so much trauma and shit involved that they can't take it anymore and they just want to you know peacefully get off the ride and then there's the flying monkey the person who kind of like um ignites the fight between the scapegoats and and the other members of the family i think which is also originally caused by the narcissist Actually, it's the narcissist who who wants to push their agenda. So what they do is they go to the flying monkey and just to make them deliver things to the scapegoat. For example, to, mani- to manipulate them or guilt trip them into coming back if they ever went no contact, for example, or things like that. The shitty and most tiring thing about the pseudo-mutuality that goes on in a narcissistic family is the amount of drama and shit like that goes on over the smallest and even the biggest things, actually. And the, and the, the thing is that we have always like portrayed this perfect image and that everything's okay and everything's fine and everything's perfect to the world. When on the inside, we're like eating each other up. We're eating each other and ourselves up. And there's there's like amnesty going on. It's, it's crazy. And also fascinating to see because these people in, in really in crises and in bad times and in troubles, they show their true colors really. And then being careful becomes extremely important and a must most of the time it's not the siblings fault sometimes it's just the parents who for some reason just are maybe jealous or competitive or or they themselves suffered from like the competition within the their own siblings to please and satisfy the parent first but then they just unintentionally cause that to be something of like a generational curse 
but the rivalry that results from triangulation and comparison and all that competition is just really extremely unnecessary. And don't let me mention the the rivalry and competition between a mother and her own daughter. Like, that is extremely crazy and just absolutely out of norm. Just imagine, for example, you're a young 20-year-old lazy-ass bastard who loves to put music, a millennial to be particular, <laughs> and to be more specific, and you love to put music loud when you're taking a shower. I think everybody does that when they're in their 20s and they're young, wild, and crazy and stupid. And then what happens is... <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this, your own NM, or even worse, NF, actually does the same, and they're literally 40 years older than you, like, you're just thinking to yourself, like, I'm not doing this anymore, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm being myself, now my parent is doing it, it's crazy, you know? And then you don't do it anymore because they they have automatically became competitive with you. Like, now it's a competition. Who sings louder and better in the shower? Like, seriously? Like, they compete with their children for the stupidest things. Or, like, sometimes, you know, how people make uh, memes and jokes about... Mothers who wear the same dress as their daughters in weddings. Like, imagine you being the bride with a very bright, beautiful white dress and your mother out there shining on her chair by herself. Like, seriously, though? <laughs> I mean, I saw that happen a few times. And um, actually, like, I wanted to shoot myself <laughs> in the head. Because of how funny and just so ridiculous it is. Like, it's your daughter is getting married. You already married 25 years ago. Like, why are you wearing that dress that shiny and that bright right here, right now? In this ceremony and the shining by yourself there. Like, why? You know, it's weird. And those are just few examples, really. And that's the bad thing. It's really terrible. Like when, especially when, when siblings uh, don't ever mean to be so mean to each other and so bad and so like uh, bullying to each other. But it just so happens that the parent never really protects the victim, the child who's in the trouble. Like me, for example, being literally having nudes ever since I was a baby and my mom never really my narcissistic mother never protected me or stood up for me or blamed or even just like uh taught my two sisters a lesson for that you know because it's extremely dangerous and something provocative you know to see something like that. She just literally, like I said in the previous episode, she just said casually and like normally and like she didn't even take it seriously that 
that is just what happened. Uh, they were just my siblings playing along. You know, they did it as something normal. Quote unquote normal. You know? And things like that, you know? It just happened. It's crazy. And when the breadcrumbing happens, like when, for example, uh, a particular person keeps doing this annoying thing that you want them to stop doing and you always just wish for that one day you know they could stop you know just one day if you could just tell them to stop it and they completely and forever stop it what they do is when you actually confront them about it what they do is they stop it for like a couple of days and then come back as though as though you never really spoke about it or that you always wished they could actually like perform an a courtesy action for you like just one day out of like the 10 years that have gone i don't know maybe how long and they just when you confront them about it they just do it for like a couple of days or weeks and then they go back they go back to 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 zero as if None of the confrontation happened. It's crazy. And the worst thing of all is, like I said, it's all that rage and anger that rises out of nothing. Just because you disagreed on, like, something or you see things differently. And maybe your intention is not really bad at all. Maybe all you want to do is open that person's mind into something they never knew. For example, I, I have that happen in my college years a lot and i actually find it extremely interesting because when people disagree with me it's actually a new opportunity for me to not leave stupid from the conversation like leave a little bit smarter you know have a new uh perspective or idea or uh you know way of looking at the world you know and it's not something that's used to that is some it's not something that I'm used to hearing all the time. It's not something that I'm digesting already. It's something that's new, you know, a, a new flavor, a new taste. And I like that. It's kind of a little challenging. It's a little, like, intellectually uh, challenging. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, we don't necessarily have to become monkeys and just freaking chimpanzees and fight over this freaking opinion that everyone is, you know, defers on, you know, it's crazy, and it's nuts to, to really have to think about it, because we're humans, and essentially, we're not created to be wild and to eat each other up just because someone disagrees with somebody else, you know what I'm saying, so, in that regard, I really think that disagreeing actually has a lot of benefits, but to the narcissist, because they're so self-absorbed and entitled and they're just hate criticisms and they are, by the way, intellectually lazy, if you ever disagree with them or contradict them in any way, shape, or form, they will, you know, they, they'll become a living nightmare, basically. And they might even turn physical, which is even worse. And... That is the crazy thing, really. That is really, really something fascinating.
when you are trying to escape an event, for example, or like a specific family gathering, you're trying to avoid it because you feel so heavy and just so numb and so down low, if I make sense. When you're present there, you know, it's just not really nurturing and uh, memorable to be around there. So when you're trying to avoid it, they will guilt trip you and they'll make you feel guilty over the day that that you were born sometimes because you just made them feel bad for not showing up. You know, it's like this whole ceremony depends on your presence when clearly, I mean, for sure it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily have to, you know. And it's just for them, you know, the guilt tripping method is just a way for them to control you and to make you submit, obviously. And then the scapegoated people who are forbidden from knowing dangerous confidential secrets or belittled or made fun of and made jokes of and constantly commented on the way they do things or the way they behave or the way they act because they're different, simply. And I think it's all the fault of the narcissistic parent, really. It's all in the... Everyone has narcissistic traits, but doesn't make everyone narcissistically someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, you know what I'm saying? But having narcissistic traits to the point where you are actually an NPD, it's really crazy because then you're suffering and you're making your spouse suffering and you're making your children suffer, but you also, at the same time, you don't want to, you know, destroy that image that you put to the world, how perfect you look. But when doors are closed, man, it's a living nightmare. And that lack of empathy, that's something interesting. Like, they don't care. Like, they're so cold-blooded. Like, they don't put themselves in your shoes and just imagine the situation from your perspective. Even if you're so mentally retarded, like, they don't do that. But yeah, pseudo-mutuality is the false exchange of people. It's the, it's the manipulation, the gossip, the scapegoating. The, the blame shifting, if you ever argue with the narcissist, if you ever actually, you know, uh, confront them about something or call them out on something shitty they did to you, you get the blame. You are the one who turns out to be crazy in the end because, because you're the one who's violent and yelling and screaming and they're the one calm. And this works in their advantage, especially if there's someone else present and is witnessing what's going on. They totally believe that the narcissist is the victim and you are actually like the... Not actually, but you become the abuser. When when in all actualities and in, in truth, you are the victim just having a panic attack, a, a manic episode. And PTSD, man, PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder 
is the constant flashbacks, the constant anxiety and and always being terrified of what's coming next because remember with this kind of dynamic usually what happens is that for the longest time it's really calm and and smooth and peaceful and then out of out of nowhere out of the blue like boom like a storm hits the boat is completely like flips over in the ocean and becomes a huge mess and everyone sinks and it's just so drowns and and it's just so crazy from there and the continuous anxiety and why am i mentioning ptsd especially for the people who are around the narcissist for people who are away from the narcissist it's way less intense and way less um anxious to be around them but to be around them physically and just having to be there, you know, when you're trying to avoid uh, as much interaction as possible, is that you're constantly anxious over what you're going to say that will irritate them or that will make them go nuts over however you react, the tone of your voice, the way you look at things, the way you look at them when you respond, the way you look away when you respond, it all just counts because they always want to make you be the person that is crazy and that is out of control. When the truth is, they provoked you into it. They pushed you towards it. They pushed it too far until you had to react in a wild way, unfortunately. Because a lot of the times we we hold on to the anger. We shut it up so much and for so long. And we try to keep it down and keep it quiet until... Until the cup is full and there's no longer a way for us to sustain that anger. So we just lash out. And when we do lash out, things backfire because now it works for their advantage because then it fuels them. It fuels their ego and they love the drama. And so it works for their advantage because then it's their turn to become the victim and it's your turn to become the abuser. And basically it's just a fucking mess. It's a fucking mess. And that is how pseudo-mutuality works. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. There's the love bombing, there's the discard, there's the devaluation. Oh, don't me. Oh, the devaluation. Oh my god. And then there's the discard, and then the replacement, and then the hoovering, and it works in freaking a nightmarish cycle. And then the breadcrumbing right before the uh, discard, and then the baiting, and all the hoovering, and all the guilt tripping to make you come back. If you're trying to avoid them and go not contact, I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. And this type of shit goes for years and years long. It's not just like for a couple of days or months, you know. This actually goes on for even decades. It's crazy. So yeah, this was the episode about pseudo-mutuality. I hope you uh, understood what the term is. Basically, it's it's sort of like a summary of what a narcissistic family is. Like the technical scientific psychological term of what a narcissistic family um is in one word and it 
it's sort of like the umbrella of all the narcissistic uh, dynamics and traits of what a narcissistic family looks like and how it behaves. So I hope this episode resonated with you and I hope you learned from it. And please, please, please do not be afraid to always fight for the truth, to be yourself, to embrace loneliness even if it's, I mean, being alone. Aloneness, if everyone uh, is against you for whatever reason, you know, just fight for the truth, fight for justice. Always be honest. Never ever plan and do schemes against others because it will backfire. Karma's a bitch, by the way, so you better be careful. And just just be nice, you know. Some people are just not able to change. And they're never able to understand that others are hurt and others are suffering. So... That is basically it. Just be your authentic self and be as nice as you can, but also set boundaries and protect yourself from emotional triggers and abuse so that you can put a limit to the abuse and reduce it in your life. And I hope you... Have a nice Easter, and I don't celebrate it actually, but I, I respect the cele- celebration of the day, and I don't mind saying Happy Easter, but Happy Easter anyway, and have a nice life, and that's it. So folks, that's a wrap for this episode, and as you can guess, this is my goodbye speech. <laughs> Uh, just kidding. I hope you found this episode enlightening to some degree. You can always like, comment, favorite, share, and even subscribe to this podcast here on Anchor FM or any other platform where, where you'll find my podcast available. Like Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Acast, Radio Public, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and recently... I've added my podcast in TuneIn as well as Red Circle. That's where you'll find my podcast also available. I'd also appreciate your support for a very small monthly fee. If you have any topic suggestions, questions, some feedback you'd like to share, don't hesitate to send me a brief voice message and I'll take care of that. So to conclude, this was Self Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maram, and I will see you in the next episode.